Have you heard that Jason Kidd just got fired? Do you want to know why? Who should replace him? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown podcast slash live show slash emergency podcast. Welcome everybody, glad you could be here. Let's talk Jason Kidd, let's talk the Bucks firing, uh, Woj bomb, big one today. What's your, what are your thoughts, Dave? Dave? Well, so I, I tweeted out this morning, so Woj dropped the Kawhi Leonard isn't happy story this morning. Um, and I said, hey, don't worry, we'll have something to talk about this evening. I assumed we'd be talking about more Cleveland stuff. Um, Wait, but know. how did you connect those two? Why did the Kawhi bomb become something that you know we're going to hear by something else? Because uh, it's a non-story. Ah. It's, it's not a real story. I mean, th- I'm sure that, that it's true because the people reporting it, uh, Woj, Zach Lowe, and Mike Wright, are very good at their jobs. So I'm sure that it's a thing. But Kawhi's not getting traded. They will work it out. It's fine. Um, so, But I did not expect the Jason Kidd getting fired and I'm not even meaning to smile. It's just such a big, I don't know. This was a shock. Um, we all, we both assumed that he was going to stick around at least through the season. He's got the relationship with the ownership there. He worked his way into a little bit more of a position of power within the organization, was kind of getting his way. And despite having a team that is uh, ranked 25th in defense and 12th in offense with a bona fide top five player, in Giannis Antetokounmpo and a guy who, you know, if they were winning more games would rightfully be in the, the top tier of MVP discussion talks. Um, but they're 23 and 22 now eighth in the Eastern conference. And, you know, he made, he made this statement last year where he said, you know, we can no longer use the excuse that we're a young team. Right. Uh, or no, no, wait, he said that they were a young team last year. And now this year they're no longer a young team. They're they're not really young and they're not really old. They're sort of in this in-between sweet spot that you want to be in. And you and I have talked all year about how they actually have really great personnel for the modern NBA. Uh, What's the problem? Okay. Uh, You know, it's funny because I wish I pushed back harder on this notion of whether he get fired because I, I I, I think my way of saying that he wasn't safe was that I would bring it up. And then we both kind of, you would say, well, he's got the relationship with the ownership. That's how he got the job in the first place. And I would kind of be like, yeah. But I think like subconsciously what I was saying was, no, he is not safe. And they're going to look at this because remember, they're, uh, they're business people. They look at the bottom line. They look at the communication. They look at the leadership. And, um, the, but here's the thing. Let's get to the nuts and bolts of the X's and O's. And we can, this is a rehashing in theory of what we've been talking about for the last however long. But a couple things. Yeah, they're ranked almost last in defense, and their, their pick-and-roll defense is terrible. They consistently hedge high, and they consistently try and like double-team in this way that they used to do this back in the 90s when Jason Kidd played, although he did play you know, even more recently. But it's weird because his coaching style seems rooted in when he first got in the league. Uh, it's probably worth looking at like who he played for and whatever, but even like Carlisle, uh, you would think, you know what, Carlisle might be a little bit in the old school too. So at any rate, um, so that was a real problem, and they were getting killed on the pick-and-roll defense. Uh, I sh- I'm going to call up the Synergy in a second and look at their wrecking, but it's got to be low um, on that as well. So that was a big one. Now, just remind me or remind everybody else when we're talking about what our issues were with the offense. Well, so they are <laughs> it's the only team in the league that can have four shooters on the court and no space. Bingo. That's my big problem. 
Um, also, it, it seems like when they find an action that they like, an action that works, they just <laughs> hammered that action constantly. Like right now or recently, it was the Hawk set. Previously, it's been the horns, uh, but running it off the wing. Um, it, it just, it just, it's repetitive. And in the NBA, you are not going to have a top-tier offense. I mean, how they're ranked 12th, I'll never know. I mean, I, I'll put that firmly in on Giannis, you know, and that's the only reason. Um, but it just it's insane to me that in 2000 and now 18, you can have a team that will just continuously run the same thing right. over and over and over and over. It's just too easy. I mean, guys are too smart, man. They watch – uh, way too much film, like they know what's coming. You have to mix things up. This is why the best, the best offensive teams in the league, don't have sets. <laughs> you know, they they run stuff out of everything. You know, uh, you can get a split cut out of what is a normal triangle setup or out of horns or whatever. And so you just, they just run. They make plays rather than run plays. If that if that makes sense. I mean, right. you know this stuff. And by the way, there, there's nothing wrong with when you have a set that works and you can run it, but there needs to be a little bit more of a progression. And I feel like this team never really got the next progression over. They kept trying to run the same one over and over again. And yeah, it became a problem where there wasn't a lot of space for Giannis. And I've done a video last year. I'm going to do a video today, tomorrow, as soon as I can. I got the Cavs to deal with as well. I'm knee-deep in Cavs footage, but I don't, maybe I'll drop that and do the Milwaukee stuff first. But um, where we, we would show them where they just don't get Giannis in great positions to score, and he still scores. I and mean, that's the thing. He still has an all-star year. He still has a MVP year. Um, but the offense, and we've heard this before from like Phil Jackson, is they don't run offense for Giannis or for the stars. They run it for the other guys. And it's those guys that not only get more touches and get better uh, shots and more rhythm, but then that gives them more energy on the other end when they need to play. But uh, like we said, defensively, by the way, it's just been a mess, enough of a mess where um, there's just no excuse for how they should for that. They should be a lot better defensively, and it's it's really the underlying fundamental way they played it. Um, and real, every game real, that it got close to the 500 was when we thought that kid was going to you know get fired. Real quick, before we go full in on the defense, just the offense, just an example. Um, I never saw Malcolm Brogdon set a back screen for Giannis, but I swear I've seen 50 Giannis back screens for Malcolm Brogdon, typically for, for a lob from Delhi. Um, you know, the, the back screener should be a guy who can who can pop and shoot. You know, right. Um, and they just didn't do any of that kind of stuff. And it was just it was so simplistic and, and again, repetitive. But to the defensive front, when you've got this sort of personnel, I mean, Tony Snell, Chris Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, John Henson. I mean, these are not garbage defensive players by any stretch of the imag- imagination. And yet the, they have the 25th ranked defense. Right. I, I mean, <clears throat> You could just play straight up old school pick and roll coverage with this personnel and you'd at least be middle of the pack. Right. You know what's funny was I just started looking at the numbers here to see what their rating were um, uh, over the last like five games. Because, you know, when the firing idea happens, it's probably five games ago. Maybe it's the beginning of the year and they're looking at it. But it's something usually turns over the last few games. Right. And they're finally like, I had enough. We can't take it. Do you want to guess what their offensive rating was the last five games? Uh, no, just tell me. <laughs> the last 10 games, it was 22nd. The last five games, it was 29th. 
So you can't tell me that Lazarus aren't looking at this, right, and sort of tracking this. Now, what I really want to do really quickly as we're talking is grab the schedule and results to see, let's say the last five games, who they played, why they were so poor on, on offense. And they lost. They actually won one of the five. But uh, so they played the Warriors. Okay. They played the Heat, and they scored 79 points. Okay. They played the Wizards, and they beat them. Okay. And they played a heat, a heat again, and then the Sixers, and they lost to the Sixers. And that's got to be they got blown out by the Sixers in their last game. Um, if I'm looking at this correctly, right? Which uh, on Saturday. Here, let, let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. Just, just you know, we we know that firing your coach midseason is a is a terrible indicator for your future success. I mean, or it's a good indicator that you're not going to succeed, uh, at least short term. Don't right? ask like, the Cavs that though. Well, but the Cavs aside, come on, okay. they don't have LeBron. All right, um, the Bucks are currently. One game ahead of the Pistons for the final spot in the playoffs. I mean, it, we're not close to playoff time yet, but bear with me on this. The The Sixers and Pacers are just ahead of the Bucks. Is there a scenario where you see the Bucks just missing the playoffs completely? Like, it, it, it's in play, right? I'm not oh. crazy to think that they, that they could very much miss the playoffs. They, I mean, the question is, do they want to miss the playoffs at this point? And there's no question. I mean, here's the thing with the bottom of the East anyway, right? Even though they're in eighth place, they're a game ahead of Detroit right now who's in ninth. There are three games ahead of the Knicks, uh, which is another surprising one. So, they're, yeah, they're, and they're only a half game out of seventh either way and a, one game out of sixth. So they're right in the middle of this whole thing. But, yeah, it's a teeter-totter situation here where they could go either way. Um, but I can tell you this, based on what we just talked about, if anybody gets in there in charge – and adjust two different things, only two, one thing on offense and one thing on defense, they, they get the fifth, sixth or fifth seed. You know what I mean? They get the sixth seed well, easy. You and I have talked about this personnel, and it's, it's almost my dream personnel. Like if Giannis had a, a, a deep three, you know, that, that he could right. hit 35%. Okay. Um, but I love how switchy this lineup can be, uh, this, this roster can be. Um, you know, they haven't gotten Jabari back. So, I mean, that's some extra offensive punch that at least theoretically they'll, they'll have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, this will be a highly coveted job by by coaches come this summer. Um, already people are saying Fizdale. Um, you and I have talked about Fizz. I think Fizz, what he was doing in Memphis was, was kind of great. He was bringing in some of that heat culture. Um, we're both a little skeptical about you know, what does he bring into the table as a coach? Because yeah. we didn't really get to see it. Not skeptical. Skeptical sounds like it's a negative. We just didn't get to see much in Memphis. Right. Well, here, um, let me throw this out there about Fizdale because there's an interesting connection to the, the Bucks' job. Because Fizdale, in theory, would be a good coach. He seems to have a good grasp of the X's and O's and all that stuff. He decided to motivate Marcus All by being really hard on him. He thought this was going to make him tougher and all that kind of stuff, a little old-school mentality. And it totally backfired, and I think that Mark had, if not say, they certainly probably asked him whether or not they, he should remain. I'm sure he wasn't you know, completely warm with the, his fuzzy feelings with, with Fisdale. Well, they now have another European star on this team who wasn't raised in America, who might, may or may not respond to that kind of coaching, uh, possibly or negatively not. Now, does Fisdale learn Kid gave him experience? some tough love. What? Kid gave him some tough love. Who? And, and uh, Giannis. And Giannis actually responded well to it. Kid, kid gave him some tough, some tough love, benched okay. him a couple times early. Um, and, a, and by the way, um, I don't know if you saw this, uh, ESPN's Chris Herring uh, was reporting that as of, as of the uh, Woj bomb 
yeah. being released. Uh, Jason Kidd did had not been made aware that he was fired, and Giannis was uh, was pretty upset about it. So okay. there's more. There's we're gonna hear more stuff. Yeah. Well, that's there's interesting. definitely so, more to the story. The implication here, I was going to ask you if you had, I haven't even read the Woj Bomb article because I was so busy getting prepped for this, but I wanted to ask you if you read the article, did it mention anything about Giannis and maybe him knowing? And it sounds like what you're telling me is he didn't know. He Maybe he didn't know. I just got a tweet. I didn't get it. There's no article yet. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. And, and by the way, it's hard to know how genuine that reaction is. is. Is he or not? But I would think that most of the time you'd feel like, yeah, it is a thing where, um, you know, he, if he's genuinely surprised, the reporter is going to feel that and report that accurately. Um, interesting. Interesting that they, they, had, they didn't consult with him because I would have thought he would have at least been asked a little bit about how things are going. Uh, by the way, they might have done that and his answer could have floated out there and then he didn't realize that, that what the implication was. That's true. I mean, like, I, I think that ask, I mean, you know, most players are going to have a decent relationship with their coach. Most of them will. Yeah. Um, and, and asking them anything uh, after a guy gets fired or something like that. I mean, it's yeah, I don't think you're ever going to get really a really eloquent response. I mean, yeah. it was, this is was like LeBron the other night and, and people trying to make a big deal out of, uh, you know, when they asked if he thought Ty Lue was going to get fired. First of all, I don't I mean, I get it. It's your job. You've got to ask those questions. But. I mean, like you put the player in a really tough spot, right? Especially a guy like LeBron. What is he going to say? You know, um, well, you know, there's I, the I canned just, answer that you're supposed to say. Sure, right? but and then we would hammer him if he just gave a canned response, and then he gives an honest response with "I don't know." You know what I mean? And yeah. like this was right after a loss. I, I just think. I don't know. It's kind of tricky with some of these things. Right. I, by the way, Lou could very well be next. He is without question he might. on the hottest seat of them all. And he's been on the hottest seat of them all since he took the job. It's, I don't yeah. think that's a shocker anyway. So, uh, But uh, the kid thing was interesting. I'm remembering now earlier this year, uh, and not that long ago, someone had sent it over. I missed it. But at the, at the end of the game, we think we talked about it maybe, uh, up by four, and he had them miss the free throw on purpose. Yeah. I, is that the right scenario? Yes. And it like yes. it made no sense. Like, there was like a second None. and a half left, and he, and he thought it'd be better if like the clock ran out. Oh no, it had to be up by three, wasn't it? It's something like where they could have actually it, it could have backfired on them horribly. Anybody out there remind, remind me exactly what the situation was? And I looked at it. I actually watched it to see what was going on there because it was concerning. And those are the things where it's like, yikes! You don't want to get stuck publicly with that kind of thing, you know, out there being kind of dumb, you know, X's and O's wise. Yeah, uh, it, they were up three and, and yeah. fouled, or up three and um, and missed, uh, the first missed the free, free throw. throw. No, up three and had them. Yeah, we're we're mixing up a couple of couple of mess ups. Let's just put it that way. There have been multiple. Okay. Um, but I will say this: one of the you know as we as we sort of I'm not eulogizing uh, Coach Kid's career because I don't think he's going to be done. I think someone will hire him again. Um, there's a couple of things that I will point out that I really like about about Jason Kidd as a coach. Number one, he was willing to try new things. And 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 I think that, you know, in our culture in general, in our society in general, those people are few and far between. And I mean, remember playing Paul Pierce at the four when he was with the Nets. That was that was Jason Kidd. Um, there were there were a lot of interesting things that he did. And and I I think that this gets lost quite a bit. It's it's hard to do new things. It's really hard. Um, playing Draymond Green at the five, right for for the for the Warriors, like people people thought it was unsustainable. Okay. Okay. 
So I, I just think that that is is to me that's one of his his good attributes. The bad thing is I think he was too good of a player to wind up being a good coach because oh. he was so special from an IQ standpoint. Like I think that you could tell Jason Kidd, hey, this is what what needs to happen. Go, just go do this. And he could go do it. And a lot of guys, it takes drill and it takes practice and all these other things. Um, right. The other thing is one of the most underrated and we, we all make fun of it. But, man, what a brilliant coaching move was when he when he had uh, who ran into him. Oh, right. When he called, that, uh, yeah. I, they, that needed was a, brilliant? they needed a stoppage. Okay. I think it, I mean, listen, man, like if you're not cheating, you're not trying. <laughs> and I think that, <laughs> I mean, that's a great play. Um, you know, like, we, we give, we give uh, Carlisle credit for calling timeouts and taking a technical uh, when he's out of timeouts to teach his, his rookies. I mean, to me, it's, it's not that much different. They're both breaking the rules, but Jason Kidd was just finding a way to break the rules to actually benefit his team. Yeah. So I, I have a memory, as, by the way, of that, looking at it and going, well, why didn't they have any more timeouts left? And I felt okay. like I was like, hey, you're he, missing, you're, you're missing the forest for the trees. <laughs> I, 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 think it's the, the, I think it's the other way around. Really? Don't I'm <laughs> jealous. I'm jealous that I didn't think of it. It's a genius move. And I loved it. I, I, I think that it, um, it's definitely funny, but also like, that's just the sort of heads up IQ thing. I mean, remember, uh, didn't who um, he ran into? Uh, was it he ran into Mike Woodson to draw a technical? As a player, Mike Woodson was on the court. Yeah, so I'm just saying, like Jason Kidd, as far as basketball IQ, is up there with like the LeBron Jameses in the history of basketball. And yeah. and I don't know if that necessarily is is gonna equal being a good coach because he gets it, and not everyone's gonna get it on the same level that he does. You know, it's funny because that was a long-winded thing. I, yeah, but like, I'm I'm not so sure he like quote unquote got it. Uh, based on like the offense, for instance, I mean, he played in the Princeton offense and, and had his best uh, until he won the title with Dallas. Like, had his most success, and yet, like, there's a lot of clever action and movement that we never really saw much. I mean, if you want to talk about their offense, it was the high post split. Dribble the ball to the wing, throw it to the elbow, and then you screen the guy in the corner, and they cut off of it, and that's about it. And then after that, you know, let's run a pick and roll if you don't get anything. Now, they would have some progressions out of that, but other than that, it was rare to see much else. Maybe a floppy here and there for Middleton, or maybe a post-up for Middleton. But again, it didn't have the kind of motion. Now, for a while there, it didn't matter. I, I feel like we were criticizing the offense, and it was still ranked like 11th, right, or 12th. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what it well, was for most now. of the year? Yeah, it's 12th now. 12th now, right. So it was always around that area. So it was almost like, well, sheesh, how can we criticize that? But it definitely felt like they were holding the team back on that end. And, uh, but, and, and then, again, we can go back ad nauseum about how they guarded the pick and rolls. Um, and I bet you once I dig into the footage, I'll see more stuff that it was troubling as well uh, as, you know, as far as basic root fundamental defense. And um, that's a problem. It's uh, you know, just one of those things. Now, uh, the real question, again, like we mentioned, is what is, what is the intention of the Bucks at this point? Uh, are they trying to right the ship or are they trying to you know, go get another great player in the draft? Well, so Woj had a follow-up tweet, um, and he said that it – it essentially came down to them them dropping to the eighth seed and trying to right the ship. And also Jason Kidd had apparently frayed some relationships within the organization. So, um, you know, I, I think that this is, this is a sort of a layered firing. Um, I think that it is both about the on-court 
about this season in general, but also about the future. I mean, you know, if you're the Bucks, you cannot just concentrate on what's going to happen in the next three months. You have to think about next year and the year beyond that. I mean, you know, the clock is ticking on Giannis Antetokounmpo. Absolutely. It, it is. Right. And that's the other problem. So what do they have their first round pick? Do we know that for sure? The Bucks? Um, we, we, I can see. Allow me to vamp while you do that, because we also have to see if they have anybody else's pick. I can't remember off the top of my head what their deal is. But um, I, are you looking it up? I am. I'm okay. pulling it up right now. So, hey, let's go to a question from the uh, from our uh, the side, our comments. If we have anything here, let's see here. Um, Jesnick says Jason had, kid had to go, and that is I, I agree. I, for some reason, I don't know why I couldn't put my finger on it, but people kept trying to ask me like, should he get fired? Should he get fired on Twitter? And for some reason, with that specific situation, I just I kind of felt weird uh, about just sort of calling it out for some reason, even though I, I would normally not. Um, yeah, I don't know what that's about. Maybe I kind of feel like maybe the Bucks management is like is on Twitter and they might see it and that might maybe feel guilty. I don't know. I can't. They can't explain. I mean, there's people. I mean, we know people with the Bucks um, right. that frequent Twitter, but also like I never want to call for anyone to get fired. I don't want anyone to lose their job. I mean, I don't care who it is. Right. Um, I mean, unless they've done something like morally reprehensible. Um, and Jason Kidd, yeah, I mean, he wasn't a good coach, but at the same time, there was a lot of. A lot of reason to believe that he that he could be at some point. Um, right. So back to the picks. Uh, Milwaukee, they have their pick if it falls between uh, oh. eleven and sixteen this year. Yikes! So they don't so even they have, may a have their pick, first really. round pick. No, they they well that yeah, it would have to be late lottery if they if they got it. Um, I mean, I don't they, anything after ten. I don't call. I don't, I don't yeah, think that a lot. yeah. They owe they owe it to Phoenix. Uh, All right. So. Wow. That's brutal. That's the um, that's the Bledsoe trade. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, we actually have a a good question by Logan Logan J Samp or whatever. Uh, what good does a midseason firing do when you stick with the same staff for the rest of the year? And this is a really good question. I think that you're kind of with, you don't know what to do because you're not going to hire a new staff now anyway, right? I think that's the problem. Yeah. I mean, there there is something to be said for having some continuity if you're still trying to make a playoff push. Yeah. Um, you know, most co- they're not going to bring in a new coach until the summer. Right. I mean, okay. un- unless something really weird happens. Uh, I just think that it, for a team, usually these higher profile teams and I mean higher profile, meaning they actually have talented players. Right. They normally wait until the summer to bring a new guy in. Well, you can't bring I mean, it's there's no choice. There's no other guy. I mean, unless you want to say Fizdale, who is sitting in the wings or maybe maybe Blatt. Yeah, wow, that's interesting. Let's get into that discussion right now as we start to wrap up. Uh, you know, who who should they bring in and who's available? I mean, Fizdale is obviously the guy that comes to mind right away uh, who deserves another he, he, he deserves another chance either way. Right. I think that's Agreed. the key. And he will, and he'll get one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he's – but he's got a lot of the buzz right now because, you know, Memphis really screwed up by letting him go. Right. Um, but, but, you know, the other thing I is – I don't know – Yeah. I don't know enough about what Fizdale does as a coach – Right. Aside from Memphis, to know whether he's a good fit for the Bucks personnel, I'm 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 imagining that he would be because you know he's a good coach and a modern coach, so I'm sure he would have them doing good stuff, right? Um, but you know, I, I wonder if if I mean, could the Bucks be the team to get Jeff Van Gundy out of the out of the broadcast booth? He's really been enjoying. I, I know he's enjoying coaching the USA basketball stuff, so that might be enough uh, for him. I've seen a lot of people throw Mark Jackson out there. Um, Mark Jackson, is, I mean, 
Mark Jackson's not getting another coaching job anytime soon. Let's just leave it at that. Um, yeah. Uh, and someone and, and threw you can, Vinny Del Negro. Well, by the way, uh, if, if you want to stick with Mark Jackson just on the X's and O's side, it's probably going to be a problem for him. And then there's a, there's a whole other discussion about him as well. So yeah. Vinny Del Negro, I think is, his chip is passed. I, um, I don't know, man. I think that Vinny is good for a young team. Like he, he did a really good job with the Bulls and with the Clippers, um, developing their young talent and really getting them along. Um, uh, but I don't know if he's right for the team that's sort of like a playoff team looking to take the next step. Um, he's not. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, Jerry Stackhouse is another name I've seen a couple times today. I think Jerry Stackhouse is going to wind up being a really good coach if, if his G League stuff is any indication. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if you – I don't know if this is the kind of job you want a first-time coach. Like no, I, I, coach, I agree. Right? I agree. I don't think a first-time yeah. coach would work. I don't think Stackhouse would be – again, the expectations are so high right now that yeah. you need somebody. I'm actually very intrigued by Blatt. Here's the other thing, though, is, you know, we're all we're talking about coaches who don't have an NBA job right now, but the precedent has been set. Like, they, they might go after a guy who's got a job. Look at how Jason Kidd got there. He was well, already the Nets coach. Oh, and by the way, they didn't tell, as far as I remember, they didn't tell Larry um, Drew that he was fired either, right? I don't, right? There was some weird stuff going on there where he got stuck in the middle there and then ended up you know, losing right. his job to Jason Kidd. They've had some, the Bucks have had some weird stuff happening with ownership in the front office. And uh, remember, they, they had this super long search for a GM over the summer. They lost Justin Zanuck, who was sort of the GM in waiting. Um, yeah, that's, that's funny. I forgot about that. Uh, well, you know, you bring up trading for a coach. You know, there's a coach out in L.A., who is going to be in his final year next year? I wonder. Oh, you got to be kidding me! Could we hear me. Doc Rivers' name this summer if he leaves the Clippers? He would could be that very be a smart. possibility? That if I were Doc and I could, I could wrangle that. I'd be doing that. In fact, Doc might even be talking to him right now. I mean, uh, yes, that would be uh, an interesting thing. Although I got to tell you that the, the Clippers are—they're still hanging around. They're still doing Doc's doing things. a great job. Doc's doing a really great job I, this year. I got to tip my cap to somebody over there, and I guess it's got to be Doc because the, certainly the, the revolving door of injuries and whatever. Uh, that Hang on. Be... I have an outside-the-box idea that just popped in my head, and I All don't right. want to lose it. And I hate to interrupt you like no, this. No, do it. Okay. So during the GM search, the Bucks were very interested in Becky Hammonds from the Spurs. Oh. I wonder. I wonder if that's a name we're going to hear. Yeah. I wonder if that's the name we're going to hear. Wow. The first female head coach in the NBA is going to be It would be, be splashy. She's very good. She's well-respected. Oh. Oh. You know, I mean, listen, we could shift that conversation just by, by, by you saying it, that it could be out there now. Um, yeah. You know what's funny? I mean, it reminds me of... Uh, uh, I don't. Well, all right. This is going to sound like I'm trying to take a lot of credit, but like I was at the combine in 2014 in Chicago, right when they were about to hire either Kerr or uh, they were trying to get Kerr to, to the Knicks, right? And on the plane ride to Chicago, it came out Steve Kerr took the job in, in uh, Golden State. And now the Knicks were scrambling, and I started talking about well, if you want to run a triangle, you know, and you want a guy that knows it better than anybody, well, he's in the gym right over there with you know, Scottie Pippen. And I mentioned that to somebody, and the next thing you know, <laughs> it was like being reported. It was crazy. So you never know. You might have just scooped the Becky Hammond uh, possibilities going to, um, to, to the Milwaukee Bucks. I just tweeted it out, too, so we can follow it if it grows. Um, yeah. But that's just something, just something that popped in my head when, when you know, I mentioned the right. GM search because 
they were very interested in that. You know, it's a progressive ownership group and they're yeah. definitely looking to make a splash. And um, we got a good question here. Bishman 03 asks, could the Bucks be the next Warriors with new coach taking them to new heights? Uh, I think not right now, but I think that if Jabari Parker comes back and does anywhere near what I think he could do if he is healed, now we're talking, now you're talking about seven, eight deep of like good, good talent. The right coach there that gets them above uh, what they need to be at now. Yeah, right, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I think that there's definitely some potential for that. Um, you know, it, it's funny, like how many times we see these teams that are stacked with talent, make a coaching change, and then it turns around. I mean, obviously the Warriors being like the biggest example of that. But, you know, we've we've seen this with other teams as well. Um, it, it's not uncommon to get a new voice in the room and change things up. And not to mention, the new coaching staff has some time to, to sort of sit and think about the current roster and come in with the right plan from day one. So, yeah, yeah, that'd be interesting. I, I, I'd like to see it. I want the Bucks to be really good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been waiting for them to be really good. When that they had that one series with Mike Dunleavy out there for the Bulls, and uh, they were really they were competitive. That was the launching point. That and that was kids' first year, maybe second year. I think that's what you're that the, in the greater context we were looking at is here they are. They didn't make the playoffs the next year, and they're still str- bumbling around in that same spot, like almost not making the playoffs and not being a threat. Um, they, there was something there. They could have already been there. They should have already been above like Washington in my mind at this point. And um, I'm sure that's why the ownership has said, like, this is enough. We've given him, you know, s- several seasons now. Um, and when you see enough of those things that are head scratching and coaching wise, yeah, then you got to go. And again, they, I, I would believe it, at this point they're young in the, in the sense that they're not going to give um, the players much say in the coaching change. So I'll be willing to say, yeah, I, I bet you they just made the change on their own. They probably didn't even take too much of the temperature of the team anyway um and here we are doc also did we mention did you mention that he has the marquette connection too i kind of forgot about that it's been so long but um he went to marquette from chicago um so you know another one of those reasons why and we and by the way we see we saw doc kind of jump ship to from boston right and kind of right you know like cheating on the girlfriend cheating on the wife of the girlfriend before they got divorced kind of thing and uh why not once you know, let me just say this way. Like, a girlfriend I had in college, we started dating because she was cheating on her boyfriend. And I knew that, but never thought she'd do it with me. So <laughs> let me tell you guys, they do it once, they'll do it again. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to touch that. I'm not going to touch that. A lot, my, of people, a lot of people in the chat are saying that the Bucks should be a three to five seed. I think that's about where we had them pegged uh, based on talent. And they definitely have underperformed. Um, and so to just reiterate, um, I don't, I think that just for basketball reasons, leave the off court stuff off, but just for basketball reasons, um, I, I think that this is, this probably is even overdue yeah. and I hate to say that. Absolutely. Well, what is overdue as well as a little bit of a sign off here. Cause I know you got to run to get to practice and I got to get going on, I guess this video. So uh, great show, Dave, really uh, enlightening. And uh, I think that there's cause for hope in Milwaukee. This is not one of those things where the season could end. They ha- they might have a scenario where they, tw- like I said, tweak a couple things and uh, get this thing up to sixth or fifth seed. And who knows what happens in the first round of the playoffs. Um, will they make the playoffs? That's what uh, I want to know from you right now. Gun to your head. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think they will. Okay. If they're competing with so. the Knicks below them, then I think they will. It's the Pistons, though. 
I think the Pistons, you know, the Stan Van Gundy's got a move to make. Do they make a move, by the way? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. You think think Milwaukee's going to make a trade? Oh, no, no, no. I meant Detroit. I don't I don't know if Milwaukee's going to make right because by the way, Milwaukee's got some assets like people want those players. So you never know. They could do that, too. Although they already did the big move with Bledsoe. So. I don't know. But by the way, that might not have been the right move either. I, I don't know if Bledsoe ended up being the one. But at the very, li- at the very least, they were able to keep Brogdon, which is the big one. So uh, that let- makes it more palatable. But we'll see. But anyway, Dave, awesome stuff. Thank you guys for joining us as well on the live show. Some great questions. And uh, stay tuned on iTunes. We'll have this up as a podcast in a few minutes. And uh, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, not a channel. We're a conversation. Are you in? Are you in, Dave? Yes, I am. <laughs>